Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're going to be looking at, we're going to be continuing our study in the names of God, and we're coming to Jehovah Sabaoth. Jehovah, Jehovah Sabaoth, which is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. But before we get into that, we're going to continue with our scripture reading. And we're going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 8 today, uh, starting in verse 1. Who is like a wise man, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever he pleases. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment, because for every matter there is a time and a judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen. So who can tell him when it will occur? Not No one has power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, and no one has power uh, in the day of death. There is no release from that war, and wickedness will not devour those who are given to it. All this I have seen and applied to my heart. To every work that is done under the sun, there is a time in which one man rules over another to his own hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. Who had come and gone from the place of holy uh, holiness, and they were forgotten in the city which they had done had so done. This also is vanity, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Uh, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be with those who fear God, who fear before him, but it will not be well with the wicked. Nor will he prolong his days, which are a shadow, because he does not fear before God. There is vanity which occurs on the earth, that there are just men to whom it happens according to the work of the wicked again. There are wicked men to whom it happens according to the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity, so I commended the enjoyment, because a man has nothing better under the sun than to eat, drink, and be merry, for this will remain with him in his labor all the days of his life which God gives him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done under the sun, even though... Uh, even though one sees no sleep day or night, then I saw all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. For though a man labors to discover it, yet he will not find it. Moreover, though a wise man attempts to know it, and he will not be able to find it. We, we see in this passage of Scripture the real importance of fearing God. The real importance of fearing God, and this is really going to uh, go along with what we're looking at today when we're looking at the names of God with Jehovah uh, Sabaoth, and uh, we, we see this here as the Lord of hosts. 
Uh, and I, I'm excited to break this down and for us to look at this, but we want to start off once again with that word Jehovah, which we looked at yesterday. So I'm going to be a little bit briefer on this, but I want to remind you that it's referring to the existing one or the self-existing one. It's often translated Lord, and the chief meaning of Jehovah is derived from the Hebrew word Hava, meaning to be or to exist. It also suggests to become or specifically to become known. And this is this denotes God, a God who reveals himself unceasingly. So when we see this idea of Jehovah, it's really it's it's this idea of God wants to be known with us especially when it's added when an adjective is added to it. So he he wants to reveal this to you that that he is this way. We saw that yesterday with Jehovah Rapha and we see that he is the healer and God wants to be your healer. He wants to be known as the healer. He wants to reveal himself to you as the healer. But here we see he is the Lord of hosts or Sabaoth. Uh, and, and Sabaoth here, um, it means armies or hosts. So Jehovah Sabaoth, it can be translated the Lord of armies. Now, this is an interesting idea because we we see this concept and, and you know, I, there have been I don't know, a lot of times that I think I see people reading through scriptures and a lot of times we don't think of what does this mean? And and oftentimes I might read through this and we might see that phrase, the Lord of hosts, and just kind of keep reading. Oh, okay, the Lord of hosts, you know, uh, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, you know, it's it's translated that way. But I think a lot of times we lose the meaning as to what it's really trying to say because hosts, uh, you, you know, I mean, what is this? The, 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 the Lord of um, all of the people who are, who are in front of a restaurant, you know, and going and giving you your seat at a restaurant. No, that'd be the Lord of the hostesses. But it's 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 one of those things where that word host, it doesn't have an intimidating meaning. It doesn't have an intimidating sound. In fact, it almost just kind of, oh, okay, yeah, no, there's a lot of people. Yeah, he's the Lord of a lot of people, maybe. It's maybe kind of how I read it when I see that. But when you study it out and you realize, no, 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 it's really communicating that God is the Lord of armies, the Lord of armies. That becomes really interesting because now we see that it is saying something about who God is and the nature of who God is, that, that he is the Lord, the God of armies. He's a warrior. He's a man of war. Is what it tells us in the, uh, the the song of Moses that that he's a man of war. But uh, but we see this concept here with the Lord of Armies. I want to read a few passages of scripture, um, it, because this is used in a, a lot of different ways. The first one I, I want to read is First Samuel chapter one verse three, and then also verse eleven. And this is the story of uh, Hannah dedicating Samuel to the Lord, and it says this: This man went up from the city yearly to worship uh, and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of armies, in Shiloh. Also, uh, the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And then verse 11, it says this, Then she, Hannah, made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, O Lord of armies, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all of the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Saying, you know, basically he's going to take the Nazarite vow. 
But we see this is interesting because this is this is um, Hannah who is in the midst of a struggle, essentially uh, a battle with um, a, her husband's other wife. In looking at that, because though she was loved greatly, the the other wife was um, having children, and Hannah wasn't doing that. And so, what did Hannah do in the midst of this battle? She turned to the Lord of Armies. It was a a, a different kind of a battle, but she recognized that she needed to turn to the Lord of Armies because she was going to war. It was a battle that she was going through in her life as she was struggling to go and to have a child. And, and you know, th- there are all kinds of situations in your life when it might not be physical warfare. But it might be spiritual warfare. It might be a, a mental warfare. It might be all kinds of things, just a battle that you're going through in your life. And you might need to say, look, I need to go to the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. I need to go to him. I need to call upon him. And of course, we know the story here that Hannah ended up going and having Samuel. She does dedicate him to the Lord. And then she goes and she has other children. After that, there's a great victory that is there. Continuing in 1 Samuel here, I've got a few passages from 1 Samuel. It's uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, and this is Israel going into battle. And so the people sent to uh, Shiloh uh, that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons, Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Now, it's interesting because this one was not a time of victory, but it's because the children of Israel uh, in Eli, or excuse me, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, um, they, were, they were not good people. Um, and the, the children of Israel were not trusting in the Lord of hosts, but rather they were trusting in the Ark of the Covenant, which was to remind them to trust in the Lord of hosts. Uh, Jehovah uh, Sabaoth. And, and we see this, this interesting concept here because they, they put their trust in the item as opposed to putting their trust in God himself. They were actually going mystical as opposed to supernatural. But that's, that's something that would take a little bit more time to go into breakdown. But I want you to realize here that if they would have put their trust in the Lord of hosts, they would have had a victory. But instead, they didn't put in the Lord of hosts, but rather an item of the Lord of hosts. Another one in 1 Samuel is 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, and it says this, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me, this of course is David fighting Goliath, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of armies, and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And of course, we know that David proclaims that the battle belongs to the Lord and he defeats Goliath. And who is he calling upon? The Lord of hosts, the God of armies. He was revealing that to his enemy. You, you know, sometimes when you get into a tough situation or you, you face an enemy in your life, you need to stop and remind them that your God is the God of armies. Don't be messing with me because, look, do you not know who my father is? Do you not know who my God is? He is the God of armies. Who are you? Elijah, seeking Ahab before he killed the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 15, this is what it says. It says, Then Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today which of course he's speaking of Ahab. Um, and 
and was speaking there to a servant of Ahab to go and to 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 take him to Ahab. But but we do see this as an interesting thing because Elijah was, of course, being sought out by the king who wanted to kill him. That was the whole idea. And, and, and so, Eli, but there Elijah then goes and says, look, no, let's go to the king. Well, doesn't that sound like a dumb idea? Well, it does sound like a dumb idea if you're going in your own strength, but if you have the God of armies that's behind you, if you have the God of armies who says, yeah, go do this, I'm telling you to go do this, you can face anyone and stand before any person because you have God. Well, really, it's because you're on the side of God as opposed to God being on your side. In First uh, Chronicles chapter 17, verse 7, we see this. It says, and this is uh, God making a covenant with David, and it says, Now therefore thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold from following the sheep to be ruler over my children Israel, my people Israel. We see here an interesting concept once again in making a covenant. God goes and he uses this name, the Lord of hosts, and it's because it, it, it denotes power, it denotes strength, it denotes victory, it, it denotes this idea of overcoming. And that's what he's going and saying to David when he goes and he makes his promise. But the question comes, is God still the God of armies or the God of hosts? Well, yes. Yes, he is still the God of armies. He is still the God of hosts. And what does this mean? Well, he is ultimately the one who gives victory. He has an army and the greatest army, and he can go and defeat anyone. No one can stand before God. No one can have victory before God. And so, therefore, we can trust that if we are walking in God's will, we can have victory and we will have victory. And this is one of the things that, that I want you to understand because, you, you know, as we look at this idea of the sh a shout of grace, I want to remind you what the name comes from this from. And this is from Zerubbabel, who started building the temple and then it got delayed. In fact, they only got the foundation down and it got delayed because they were afraid uh, through political threat. There were kings saying, look, if you continue to build this temple, you're, you're going to die. But God goes and he calls him to finish the work. And he says, Zerubbabel, will you? He sends his prophet to go tell him this. And, and he tells the prophet to say this, uh, that you will finish your work with a shout of grace. You know, God has things for you to do in your life. And he has great things, I believe, for you to do and to accomplish. And he has good works for you to walk in. We, I, I know this because it tells us this in Ephesians 2.10, that, that if you are saved, God has good works for you to walk in. But what does that mean? It means that you're going to have to actually put your feet on the ground and go forward and do this. But so many times people get afraid and they don't accomplish what God has for them to do. And they and God has great works for them to do. He has incredible things for you to do. But you get scared. Why? Because there's opposition. There's opposition for Zerubbabel. There was opposition for Nehemiah. There was opposition for David. There was opposition for everybody in the Bible. And there's going to be opposition for you too. 
But the question is, is are you going to call upon the Lord of hosts? Are you going to call upon the Lord of armies? Are you going to trust in the Lord of armies? Because he has an army. He's going to bring victory if you go out to battle for him. He's going to bring victory. But you have to go out to battle. There are so many people and so many things that God wants to accomplish through you and through these people. And, and, and there, are, there are so many people who, who just don't do what God calls them to do because they're afraid of the enemy. They're afraid of what might beset them or what might stand before them. And, and there are incredible things that God can do. And it's not because you're great. It's not because I'm great, but it's because he is great. But what does it mean? It means we have to walk into those battles. Now, we don't go foolishly. We prepare. But one of the greatest preparings that we have, one of the greatest acts of preparation that we have, is that we call upon the Lord of hosts and we tell our enemy, do you not know that my God is the God of armies? I mean, think about what David did. He's standing before a nine foot, 10 inch giant. Literally could have picked him up and snapped him in half. And David looks him right in the eyes and he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And I'm going to cut your head off and feed your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. I'm getting myself worked up here because we need more of that today. We live in a world where people don't want to aspire to do anything. You talk to young people, they don't know what they want to be when they grow up. I don't understand that. There's not a time in my life that I can remember where I wasn't looking forward and saying, what do I want to be? When I mean, it's changed. You know, when I was, when I was five years old, I wanted to be an army man. You know, when I was uh, 10 years old, I, I wanted to be an NBA player. When I was 12 years old, I wanted to coach basketball. When I was 13 years old, I recognized the call of God in my life, and I want to be a missionary. And God called me to be a pastor. But I don't understand when people don't look forward to see what, what is God calling you to do? What, what do you want to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? But even more than that, we need people who don't just look forward, but aspire to do great things for God and don't get afraid of the opposition. You know, look out at Satan's strongholds in this world. There's plenty of them. Which one are you going to say, that one's mine, I, and I'm going to pick up four other, or, or four other stones for the brothers there, right? Uh, like, like David did. But, but oh, why aren't you going to go and look out at Satan's stronghold and say, look, I'm going to tear that down for God, and I'm going to build something up for him there in place of it, so that all would know that God is worthy of worship. But to do that, you're going to have to recognize God as the God of armies. 
And because he's the God of armies, it means that you are going to trust him, that you realize that the battle belongs to the Lord. And it means that you're going to fear him and remember the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And this is, I mean, I could talk for hours on this because it is such an important topic, such an important thing today. Where are the men and women of Jesus Christ who look out and say, I'm going to do something for God because he did something great for me. He died on the cross for me. And so I'm going to go and worship him and serve him greatly by destroying the the strongholds of his enemies and building a monument so that all who see it would know that God is alive and he is in this place. Man, it gets me fired up. Hope this gets you fired up this morning too, and that you remember that God is the God of armies and the battle belongs to him. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And while we trust in Jesus, sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing Sing like the battle's been won Then you feel it, the song that is rising Then you can't help but let it out If you're trusting in faith already begun know that God's up to something a miracle's coming rejoice